Good morning. It is uh, Randy here over at Made Free Church, Tactical Discipleship, uh, and uh, ServantForChrist.com. Hope you guys are having a beautiful morning. I know I am. You know, uh, just a privilege to get up in the morning and come do a Bible study. You know, it's, it's rather an amazing thing because most countries don't get this. You know what I mean? I, I think we're blessed. I think we're, um, you know, and, you know, uh, so... Um, you know, I've been watching the news and I've been watching what's going on in Afghanistan and stuff like that. So I, I just ask that you guys pray, you know, for the Americans in Afghanistan, but the Afghan people as well. You know, I'm not talking about ISIS. I'm not talking about the Taliban or anything like that. I'm just talking about the Christians that are being persecuted are that are going to be persecuted there. And, and you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. You know, I, I don't really get political on this thing, but... Um, you know, we need to pray for them people. We need to pray, you know, that, uh, you know, that we get these people out and pray, uh, you know, for, uh, for our, uh, you know, our, our military that's over there, you know what I mean? So, um, that's just a request that I have with you guys is just, uh, pray for them. Um, a couple of announcements before we get started. You know, if you guys need prayer, uh, please go to madefreechurch.org. And there's a prayer request tab there. We've got a whole intercessory prayer team um, that is set up that uh, takes your prayer requests. And uh, we pray over your prayer requests all week. And, um, you know, uh, if you if you do want one of us to call you, one of the pastors here or uh, myself or one of the intercessory prayer team to call you, um, please leave your phone number. We can only call within the United States. So also... Um, if you guys want to comment, go ahead. I will see the comments and I will respond to them. Um, but, uh, uh, please give StreamYard access to your profiles. That way I can see your name and I can respond to you by name, right? So the translations I normally use, um, or I, I, I normally use the LSB, which is the legacy standard Bible, which is, uh, the NSAB on steroids, um, but it's a really, really great version. It's literally a word-for-word -word translation from the Greek. Um, so I also use the ESV, the NSAB, the NLT, the New King James, and the King James versions on all my studies. So, um, you know, you're, you're asking, but, Pastor, why do you use uh, the NLT? The NLT, there's a lot of great translations. I don't really like the, the, the NIV, so the NLT is the next best. It's easy read. There's a lot of meat in there, you know what I mean? So... Um, that, so let's get into prayer and, uh, let's, uh, let's do this, man. You know what I mean? We're going to continue our study in first Corinthians to the letter of Paul for the first Corinthians. Um, and this we're going to do, it's called lawsuits against believers. And we're going to be in first Corinthians chapter six verses one through 11. So if you guys want to open up your Bibles there, that'd be great. Um, that's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 11. Let's get started. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for our salvation, God. We thank you for all that you do, Heavenly Father. And we just want to come before you right now. We just want to say thank you. 
We want to say thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. And just ask that you get the preacher out of the way, Lord, that you that your word will go through. Lord, bless every man and woman who are watching and who are going to watch later, Lord, with this message. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into this. So open up your word to 1 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. And um, we're going to continue our study in the uh, uh, at 1 Corinthians in a series that I'm calling Challenges That Christians Face. And one of the challenges that Christians face is the question whether to sue fellow Christians in a civil court. Um, so let's learn about this message, uh, which I'm calling Lawsuits Against Believers. Let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 1 through 11. It says this, Does any of you, when he has a case against another, dare to be tried before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not worthy to constitute the smallest law in courts? Do you not know that we will be judges of angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with the matters of this life, do you appoint those who are no account in the church as judges. I say this to your shame. Is it really this way? There is not one wise man among you who will be able to pass judgment between his brothers. On the contrary, brother is tried with brother, and that is before unbelievers. Actually, then, it is already a failure to you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged why not rather be defrauded? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the, neither, uh, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor uh, infeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedies, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. It's pretty awesome. So the United States is the most suing society in history. Uh, one website said in 2016, over 30 million civil cases were fired in the United States. That's like three lawsuits for every, or that's one lawsuit for every five people in this country. In fact, Americans spend more time in civil litigation than any other country, according to uh, the Economic Journal. Why are there so many lawsuits in America? Part of the reason, uh, and this is according to the Economic Journal, has to do with the incentives to sue, uh, of which Americans have plenty. Uh, while most European legal systems, uh, the loser in this suit must pay a large portion of the winner's legal fees. In America, each party has to pay their own. So simply speaking, in America, there's little to lose. Many people apparently file a lawsuit just to see how far they can go. In his commentary on 1 Corinthians, pastor and author John MacArthur points out that the legal situation in Corinth was probably as much as it was in Athens. Uh, 
where litigation was a part of everyday life. It become a form of challenge and even entertainment. And one ancient writer claimed that in a matter of speaking, every Athenian and Corinthian was a lawyer. When a problem arose between two powers, they could not settle between themselves. At first, the first recourse was a private arbitration. Each party was assigned uh, a disinterested private citizen as an arbitrator. And the two arbitrators, along with the neutral third person, would attempt to resolve their problems. If they'd failed, then the course would turn. Uh, the, then, then the case was turned over uh, to a court uh, known as the Forty, right? Who assigned a public arbitrator to each party. Interestingly, every citizen had to serve as a public arbitrator during his 16th year of life. In a public arbitration, if a public arbitration failed, the case went to a jury court composed of several hundred to several thousand jurors. And every citizen over 30 years old of age was subject to serving as a juror, either as a party to the lawsuit, as an arbitrator, or as a juror. Most citizens were regularly involved in the legal proceedings uh, of one sort or another. Oh, I love coffee. Coffee's so awesome. In Corinth, Gentile Christians had been so used to arguing, disputing, and taking one another to court before they were even saved that they carried those practices into their, their Christian life. And, and that course was not only wrong spiritually, but practically unnecessary. On the other hand, for centuries, Jews had settled all their disputes uh, either privately or in a synagogue court. They refused to take their problems before a Gentile court, believing that to do so would, would imply that God, through his own people using his own spiritual principles, was not competent to solve every problem. It was considered a form of blasphemy to go to uh, courts before Gentiles. Uh, both Greek and Roman rulers had allowed the Jews to continue that practice, even outside Palestine. Under Roman law, Jews could uh, try a variety of offenses and give almost any sentence except that of death. You know, as we know from Jesus' trial, the Sanhedrin was free to imprison and beat Jesus as they pleased, but they were required permission from Rome, represented by Pilate, in order to put him to death. Because Christians were considered by the Romans to be a Jewish sect, the Corinthian believers were probably free to settle their own disputes among themselves, but they did not do so. Although Christians from the Jewish background uh, might have been inclined to do so. Christians from the Gentile background were used were, were used to the sport of public litigation. The believers in Corinth were settling their differences in civil So Paul argued that the practices had to end because it revealed that the problem was a symptom of something much worse. It revealed another serious problem in the congregation. These Corinthians neither understood nor lived out the gospel. 
like the Corinthians, many Christians today fail to misunderstand, they, they, to understand the gospel properly. The result that many Christians have a worldly value system. And because we don't understand the gospel properly, we behave like non-Christians and sometimes end up taking each other to civil court. We need to grow in our understanding of the gospel so that we can properly live out the gospel norms in our daily life. And so in today's lesson, we want to learn about, we're going to learn about how Christians handle disputes among themselves. And uh, I like to use the following outline, you know, uh, so number one, an incredible problem, mishandling lawsuits. Um, that's for uh, chapter six, verses one through six. And then number two is un the underlying problem, not living the gospel, verses seven through eight. And the root of the problem, misunderstanding the gospel, verses nine through 11. So first, notice the, the incredible problem of mishandling lawsuits. Although the Gentiles were used to bringing lawsuits against each other um, in public courts, the Jews were not. They did not believe that it was appropriate for Gentiles to handle their disputes. Disputes. Since Paul came from a Jewish background, he agreed with that as an incredible problem for the Christians to mishandle lawsuits by airing their problems in public in a public arena. So he set down two principles for dealing with the incredible problem of mishandling lawsuits. First, Christians should not bring lawsuits against each other in public courts. It was inconceivable to Paul that Christians would actually bring lawsuits against each other in a public court. And so it says, and it says in verse one, it says, when you, when one of you give grievance against one another, does he dare to go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? And similarly in verse six, he said, but brother goes against, uh, goes to the law against brother and that before unbelievers. What was the nature of the grievance? Paul does not specifically, uh, not specify what the grievance was. Some have thought that the grievance had to do with illegitimate, uh, the illegitimate sexual relationship that had taken place that, what were, that he had mentioned in, in verse 5. However, um, that is unlikely because Paul had already passed judgment on the man and he had indicated that he was to be put out of fellowship. Likely, <laughs> the grievance had, has to do with some kind of financial dispute because he asked in verse eight, why not rather be defrauded? Nevertheless, regardless of the nature of the grievance, Paul indicates that Christians should not bring lawsuits against each other in public courts. But it's obvious, but, but it's obvious Christians do have grievances with uh, one another. We find that daily in the church, you know, um, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, there's always a grievance, right? I don't like that guy or, or that guy owes me money, whatever. You know what I mean? But that's what, but, but that, but, but we, we do, right? So how are we and how are they to solve disputes with each other? That brings up the second principle. Christians should not judge law should should not judge lawsuits against each other. Paul anticipated the objection that Christians were not competent to judge disputes between Christians. And so 
by asking a serious questions. Paul affirmed that Christians should not judge lawsuits against one another. We look at verses 2 through 5. It says this. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try, uh, tri uh, to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why not lay them before those who have, why lay them before? Uh, uh, them before those who have no standing in the church. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you who is wise enough to settle dispute between brothers? And second, notice the underlying problem of not living out the gospel, right? And we see this in the church today. There's a lot of people out there that claim to be Christians, but living as the world. They're not living out the gospel at all they're sitting there right um and they go to church once a week and they do this and they do that and then go straight back to the world and live in the world and 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 it's that's why that's why a lot of people don't want to be christians they're like why i'm living in the world why it's the same thing no we have to live out the gospel right so the fact that the corinthians the corinthians mishandled lawsuit by taking fellow Christians into a public court was, was completely terrible, right? But the problem flowed out of an underlying problem. The Corinthian, the Corinthian Christians were not living the gospel. They mistreated one another and failed to reconcile their differences in accordance to the gospel. So lawsuits indicate a defeated lifestyle. Paul said in, in, in verse 7a, that's the first part of the gospel, to have lawsuits at all with one another is all that is already a defeat for you. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, Western Church in Andy, that's right. Boom, what's up? Uh, what's up, Pastor Dom? Um, so, Paul said in verse A, uh, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already to defeat for you. See, the purpose of a lawsuit is basically to win an argument. Two sides have a disagreement. They try to resolve it themselves. They can't do so. They then um, they, they they get to a they, they go to a party to seek remedy for the uh, the wrong by forcing another person into the arena while the third party can rule the, on the dispute. The judge rules. One party wins and the other party loses. So having, having lawsuits with one another is already an indication that two Christians are not able to resolve the conflict. And whatever the decision of the public courts reaches is also already a defeat for Christians. Right? So Christians should avoid dishonoring Christ in a public court. And that's why Paul said in verse B, why not rather suffering wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? And some of you guys don't even want to do that because your pride gets in the way. No, I need to win, you know, because we're always in competition with ourselves. 
and the Western church is going to take a, to court this guy and this guy and this guy because he owes me this money and he owes me that. Why not be defrauded? Why not suffer the wrong? You know what I mean? And, and, and because, I mean, right here, it says that, that, that it, it's, it's dishonoring. You know what I mean? To, it's dishonoring to Christ to take another Christian to court. But the Corinthians already lost sight of some of the most precious principles by which they were to live for an example, right? And, 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 and here's a few. Let me turn on some music. I forgot to do that. All right. All right. So, one, Christians are to love one another. James 2 8. Two, Christians are to serve one another. Galatians 5 13. And three, Christians are to work in harmony with one another to build the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 16. For these reasons, it would be it would better to suffer the wrong and to be defrauded than to struggle and fight with one another. We see infighting in the church daily. And third, Christians who cheat Christians sin grievously. Paul said this in verse 8, but you ourselves wrong and defrauded even your own brothers. It seems that Christians in Corinth were simply disagreeing over certain issues. They were intentionally wronging and defrauding each other. And of course, it grieves. It's, it's a grief. It is a grievous sin. And notice the root of the problem, misunderstanding the gospel, right? This is the root. You know what I mean? And at the bottom of the Corinthians legal problems was misunderstanding their identity in Christ and the behavior to which that identity called them. This misunderstanding led to their mistreatment of one another and their mishandling of disputes. So what we're going to look at is the unrighteous will not receive the gospel blessings, right? So the the unrighteous will not receive the gospel blessings. Paul said in verses uh, 9 through 10, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither, neither sexual immorality, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It says, nor men, but I'm going to add women into that too. Because today, and since then, we've had men and women in the beginning of time be, be homosexuals. And it's they won't inherit the kingdom of God. It says it right there. Paul is not saying that Christians are, are not, or are, Paul's not saying that Christians are able to lose their salvation. You can't. Your salvation is internal. He is simply saying that Christians are acting like non-Christians whom he calls the unrighteous. And he listed the kinds of sin and practices by non-Christians, the unrighteous. He did not speak of people who occasionally fell into their sins, but those who made these sins patterns of their lives. 
The list of sinful lifestyles appears elsewhere in Paul's writing and in the rest of the scripture. Let's look at, at let's, he first mentions sexual sins. The sexually immoral. Those who are involved in any kind of premarital and extramarital sexual relations. Idolaters. Mentioned here because of the close association between sexual immorality and the pagan religions. Adulterers. Those who break the sanctity of marital sexual exclusivity. Men who practice, men and women who practice homosexuality. Those who practice, uh, practice homosexual relations in general. Then he turned to other social sins. Thieves, those who would steal for a way of life. The greedy, those who have uh, an unquenchable desire to possess for themselves. Drunkards. Those who guzzle, you know, and, and drink alcohol to an excess. Reviler, those who falsely accuse others. And swindlers, those who take advantage of what is not theirs. Except for uh, the addition of thieves and the expansion of the sexually immoral to, into a subcase of adulterers and men and women who practice homosexuality, this list is identical list to 1 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. Paul wanted the the Corinthians to know that people who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He implied that professing believers in Corinth who live such lifestyles should take care that they were truly in the faith, knowing that if they did not repent, they would perish. So, he also pointed out the folly of taking lawsuits before these kinds of people, as such as wicked people could not judge rightly between Christians. Christians can no longer, are no longer among the righteous, right? He said in verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul wanted the, the, the Corinthian Christians to know that they have that, that, that they had been like the unrighteous, but now they are new creations in Christ. And he uses three terms to describe their new status in, the, in, in, in Christians. Washed, it speaks of a new life, re, re, of regeneration. Jesus saved us, not because of works that done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. Sanctified speaks of a new behavior. To be sanctified is to be made holy inwardly and to be able in the Spirit's power to live righteous life outwardly. And before a person is saved, he has no holy nature and no capacity for holy living. But in Christ, we are given a new nature and can live out the new kind of life. Since total do uh, 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 domination is broken and replaced by a life of holiness. Justified speaks of our new standing before God. In Christ, we are, this is in Romans 4, 25. In Christ, we are clothed 
in his righteousness and God now sees us sons righteous uh, uh, us as sons righteousness instead of our sin Christ's righteousness is credited to our account right the Corinthian believers had experienced transformation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God God's name represents his will his power his work because Jesus willingly submission to the father's will his death on the cross on our behalf the resurrection from the dead he has provided our washing our sanctification and our justification a transformed life produces transformed living transformed living paul is saying very strongly that was unacceptable for some believers to behave like the outside like outside the kingdom of god they were acting